Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Baseball is Good. My name is Corey Engelhart. I am the host. Tonight is the 40th episode that I've done. I don't know if that's a memorable number, but I just noticed that it's hit that many, so that's pretty cool. Uh, my guest tonight is uh, a man named Brett. I, I hope I'm not going to pronounce the last name wrong. Krushki, I believe is right. And uh, we're going to chat a lot about um, Minnesota baseball as a whole, professional and amateur. And I'm excited to chat with him because he and I have chatted online a little bit and and texted a little bit just about his connection to Minnesota amateur baseball. And I'm excited to hear some of the stories that he has to share. So with that, I'm going to bring him on and we'll get the show started. And hopefully he can introduce himself a little bit better than I have. One moment. Brett, are you there? You bet. Hey, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm a I'm a man. I'm forty. Podcast number forty, anyway. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if if that's a significant number or not. I have no idea what to to make of that. It's yeah. more just a round number that people can say, but pretty great. <laughs> it's it's pretty good for now. Uh, once you get to a thousand, it won't seem like such a big deal. Deal. Once I hit a thousand in about uh, twelve years or so, give or take, <laughs> that maybe even more than that. Uh, yeah, I, I do this about once a week. Um, it's it, I don't have a lot more time to do a lot more than that. It's fun to do, but uh, weekly that'd be no, it'd be more than that. I'm, my math is terrible. Uh, if it's fifty-two weeks a year, if I'm doing it exactly weekly, that'd be closer to twenty years. So nineteen-ish years from now, I guess you could say. You never know. It could happen. Yeah. Well, so I wanted to, I, I think you should be the one to, to introduce your name, at least, and uh, maybe your social media connection if people have questions about what we talk about in this podcast. Okay. Um, well, you did you did quite well on my name, uh, Brett Kruschke. <laughs> um, a lot of my friends call me Crew. So that might help out a little bit, but uh, and for social uh, media connection, uh, certainly uh, it led to you and I uh, getting to know each other a little bit. Um, sure. But uh, yeah, I did just check uh, the day before, and I think I'm down to ten Twitter accounts now. So I I've been purged from the Minnesota Baseball Association one, which is probably good for uh, my health and uh, most people's Twitter feeds. But uh, um, <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, most active though right now um, I've been involved with Bell Plain uh, Tigers Town Team Baseball for a long time and so that handle is BP Tiger Town and then I also uh, uh, do a lot of the River Valley League's uh, Twitter account even though we it's mostly just mostly for retweeting there's not a whole lot of original material coming out of there and so at least once we get into the season maybe in especially playoff time but um, yeah so those are a couple, a uh, couple of them, anyways. Okay, did I hear you right? You said ten Twitter accounts. Yes, sir, that is correct. <laughs> that just that number kind of boggles my mind, and maybe I'm just not in the right age of social media to understand <laughs> the need for that many accounts. But uh, that number kind of just maybe boggles my mind is the best way for it. Is, is it the number of of accounts that you're ahead of, basically? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, that's correct. Uh, what, what is more mind boggling to me with Twitter is that they'll only let you follow 5,001 people. Cause I've had to, uh, I've hit that wall on my personal account and I've had to, uh, kind of go through and see who I wanted to unfollow, which isn't very fun. So I wish they would just let that go a while, but, uh, Huh, yeah, I wasn't aware of that number either. Maybe I'll get to that point too in 19 years or so <laughs> if Twitter is still a thing at that point. <laughs> it probably won't be. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, so uh, yesterday when you and I were just chatting a little bit, you you had some breaking news that you wanted to start off with about a trade that was happening with the team that you were uh, general manager of. If you wanted to announce that right now, All right. Uh, feel free. Well, this is exciting. Uh, there's been a lot of rumors about this trade building up, but uh, – uh, the, the three oldest uh, players on the Bell Plain Tigers town team are uh, Pat Schultz, Mike Schultz, our manager, and then Matt Schultz. 
So it's not easy to break up the crew, but we're tr- we've traded Matt Schultz to Henderson for a dog, and we've already shot the dog. So that's the deal, <laughs> and uh, we consider it a good trade for both sides. Fair enough. Did, was the dog a good dog, or was it a bad dog, would you say? Yeah, one of those sickly ones just kind of hanging out in the alley. So, but uh, so yeah. they were not. Uh, they they were they thought that was a fair offer, and uh, we, we took it. <laughs> Sometimes you have to make moves for the long term, really, for the best of the organization. It makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Just clearing some cap space and, uh, you know, kind of start fresh a little bit there as uh, the season comes into view. (laughs) That makes sense. So uh, in your uh, bio, it said that you are vice president, general manager of the Bell. What would you say your role is or how would you describe that? in terms of if people didn't know what – if people had never heard of Belle Plaine or knew where that city sure. was or knew what it was, what is what does that in job description entail, I guess? <clears throat> yeah, I'll, I'll try to uh, give a little bit of background just so people can kind of figure out what we're talking about here. But uh, the state of Minnesota has about 300 amateur uh, men's baseball teams in the Minnesota Baseball Association. There's certainly other uh, – leagues in the cities I know of as well, but uh, in the Minnesota Baseball Association, there's 300 teams. Um, Exactly how many leagues, I don't know, but it's probably 25 to 30 or something like that. And um, so some of those teams have baseball boards, basically just uh, men from town uh, or women, uh, but at least men in our case, um, that, you know, they, they maybe meet together regularly. We meet we meet uh, once a month, um, and um, otherwise, if nothing else, though, they're generally the folks that are steadily uh, working at the uh, uh, games during the summer, the home games. And you know, mm-hmm. but uh, there's actually a, you know some have more, some have less, but there's a fair amount of business that goes on with uh, with uh, a men's amateur baseball team, or at least there can be a whole lot, and uh, we certainly keep busy uh, with ours. So, yeah. Um, I just a couple of years ago, um, Jerry Meyer is a Minnesota baseball uh, Minnesota Baseball Association Hall of Famer. Uh, he was our president for a, a long time, and uh, he just uh, retired a few years ago. So then, once we kind of reorganized a little bit, I said I would take vice president since it was basically just an empty title and it didn't actually require anything. But uh, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the general manager part is just something that. You know, it's also, as we like to, part of the joke with uh, the the trade uh, that we talked about before is, yeah, you can't trade any <laughs> players, uh, <laughs> although sometimes maybe you wish you could. But um, sure. <laughs> general manager really just means you're the guy who maybe goes to the league meetings and fills out the uh, rosters. And, uh, you know, as far as that goes, uh, we've spread that around now recent, in recent years, too. We have some other guys maybe – now and then we'll go and cover a meeting too. But, you know, you just maybe you order the equipment and, uh, you know, just a lot of those just kind of maybe point man duties that you're just kind of doing on behalf of the board. But, uh, you know, everybody kind of has their different assignments. And uh, so that's maybe just some of mine. Sure. Well, so I know you've played 35 and up baseball for a few years now. Yeah, aside from uh, just town ball, uh, does part of the general manager job, vice president job, entail making sure that the fields are scheduled for the time that you need to play and or the umpires are, are paid on time? I would assume that's part of it too. Um, so what I'm flashing to right now is if, I don't know how well you know the movie Office Space, but uh, mm-hmm. there's a Very part well. <laughs> where the bobs come around and uh, they ask him what he, you know, what do you actually do here? And uh, he goes, do you take the paper to the customer? Person, well, yeah. sometimes, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, no, like uh, whoever's running the concession stand pays the umpires. And uh, well, I can't remember the other okay. thing you said, but I didn't really do that either. So, um, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't get too caught up in the title and what it means uh, for duties, but it's, you know, the, uh, the, I do definitely uh, um, 
handle our social media, which we, you know, like most NBA teams on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and uh, that, you know, that Twitter beast can be as big as you really want it to because um, mm-hmm. with uh, the 300 NBA teams, uh, it's it's pretty quiet in the off season. But uh, once the season comes, it is it's an amazing amount of content and a and a quite this quite the flowing stream. And it's 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 just really uh, uh, you know for those that love town ball, it's it's such a great way to be. Uh, tuned into what's going on around the state, you know, you're, you, and and so many teams are, especially in recent years, doing such a better job of, you know, posting regular scores and updates and ballpark photos, and yeah, I, I just think, like, this, in a sense, at least communications-wise, this is certainly the golden age of uh, being able to follow Town Ball. Now, we all know, like, you know, back in the 50s and or maybe earlier mm-hmm. than that, even 40s, 50s, that that was really the golden age of the game itself where fans, you know, that was the town event and uh, and uh, everybody went to it and people were super crazy into the game and making bets and what have you. But uh, so all that's died down, but at least as far as just having information about the players and the games and, of course, you can even get uh, information now on the college players for the, Town teams that you know, whichever uh, wherever their college guys are playing, usually you see some of the town team Twitter accounts uh, sharing that information. So yeah, you sure. can uh, definitely uh, know a whole lot about it. But uh... well, so uh, my next question is if if there is somebody that's out there that hasn't maybe made a point to look up and attend town ball games what would you tell them as far as why they should use i i bring this up because there was an article you sent me about how it's not really that families have a ton of time anymore and Mm -hmm. are just looking for things to do it's more that kids and families parents have so much going on that they try to piece together time to do anything together it seems like generally yeah how 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 would you describe why a family should go to and attend a town ball game? I I, I mean I'm a fan I yeah. guess and I attend, but I, I'm just curious if somebody else is listening. Why why your opinion of that would be? Yeah, so I guess I would recommend um, I would recommend it to to families in general, just because you know especially if you got kids because the ballpark is kind of. Yeah, it's about as good as a kid can do for having fun without getting lost, I guess. But, uh, you know, when <laughs> kids come to a ball game, they're usually doing anything but watching the ball game. They're uh, running up to uh, the concession stand to get ring pops, and they're throwing baseballs <laughs> against the cement wall with their friends and, uh, you know, just kind of uh, running in hyper mode for a few hours. But, uh, but you know, it's generally fenced in, and, and so the parents can kind of uh, maybe sit down, relax, and lose track of their kids a little bit and, have a hot dog and a beer and uh you know the whole thing is pretty affordable and and on top of that it all goes to really support uh it goes directly to the teams you know there's no uh it's not more complicated than that so it it supports sure. the endeavor and uh you know frankly someday some a lot of those kids throwing the ball against the wall are going to be playing themselves someday but um so i would just say it's it's minnesota in the summer when of course those days are precious uh uh, as we know from this uh, never-ending uh, kind of winter weather now into the spring. But, uh, sure. you know, it's summer nights in Minnesota, usually nights, sometimes day games. But, uh, you know, it's hot dog, beer, and baseball. I mean, hanging out with a lot of people you know and uh, maybe getting a little fired up uh, once in a while watching uh, a lot of players, you know. So, I mean, it's just – it's a real community event. And, uh, you know, numbers are – we we've – Almost the uh, bulk of my playing career, uh, playing career, quote unquote. But uh, <laughs> as I told you, I pretty much sat on the bench for 20 years. But uh, you know, we always would kind of just joke at how few fans there were at some games or a lot of games. Like uh, one of the great, really the great character of uh, Bell playing baseball uh, from the time I've been around is uh, Jeff Miller, who uh, played Double A uh, for the Mariners for a short while and uh, one 
definitely one of the best players, if not the best player ever to play for the Bell Plain Tigers. And okay. uh, when uh, there'd be nobody <laughs> at the ballpark, uh, he'd, uh, I won't uh, say any names, but he would just go kind of <laughs> one of the players on our team appreciation day or something like that. You know, there'd be nobody there. So, um, yeah, so I, put it this way, foul balls as well. There, if there's any advantage to not many people being there is to bring those kids and other – their chances of getting a foul ball and then getting a, a pittance of money for it are, are pretty darn high if they uh, have any uh, running ability. Sure. Well, uh, my my kids. So just personal level, I have I have twin three year olds and they are wow. uh, very active. You could say so. Um, I, I think having the ability to get them tired is something I I truly look forward to in the afternoon, so they <laughs> they can go to bed on time. Is and, yeah, and that's why I choose to do the podcast uh, in the evenings, I guess you could say. But, um, yeah, I, I think summers going out to do things away from the house where they can run and be outside and get tired and I can sit and watch a game is, is pretty enticing in my in my opinion, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, and I'll throw in there just real quick, uh, you know, at least at our – I'm sure it varies park to park, but for our park it's 12 and under are free. I think it's a dollar then from 13 to 17 and then after that it's adults but you know so most mm-hmm. kids little league and age and down uh, can come in for free anyway so you know drive your bike up there and what the heck sure and i just my over my life of attending sporting events it certainly seems baseball i don't know if it's different than other sporting events but it's very much that if you go to any game, especially amateur baseball in Minnesota, and don't know anybody there even and, and just are going to watch the event, you're going to meet people that you can just sit down and chat with about the game and about baseball itself, and it's nice to have that community, like you said, um, to be a part of something. Yeah, no, something I'm thinking of since uh, since I went on my uh, latest uh, uh, diatribe is that, you know, I guess hmm. a person might say, well, what makes that any different than softball? That's entirely free and I don't have to pay for that. Okay. Well, the the fields that uh we that we play on in Minnesota ballparks by and large are are very nice and uh, even the ones that aren't mm-hmm. the greatest it's still a ba- baseball park that takes a lot more uh love and care than uh, you know the old third infield at a softball park and uh yep. You know, that we have you know at least one umpire and sometimes two and uh it's you know it's it's kind of a big deal. It's uh it's it's not just a, a softball game, and I'm not ripping on softball because I love to play, even though I haven't forever. But uh, sure. you know, it's 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 a bigger it's a bigger deal than a, a, you know beer league softball. That's all I'm saying. No, no doubt. Not not much well, of yeah, endorsement. So I, but, uh, no, <laughs> it's all good. Well, I wanted to get your uh, story on how you started with the Bell Plain uh, with the Bell Plain team after high school. I guess, and we'll get into some of your stories about your high school days too, but how did you get involved with um, the amateur team? How did you get involved with town ball? Yeah, so, um, well, I graduated uh, from Belle Plaine High School in 1991, and, um, you know, I played baseball, you know, in high school and, uh, um, you know, really all my life since T-ball, and our it just kind of happened like the manager at the time, Brent Meyer, um, he, he just kind of made the rounds and just said, you guys want to play for the town team this summer? And I don't think we hardly knew anything about it, uh, you know, which is kind of strange now (laughs) the way I look at it. And I'm (laughs) saying, Hey kids, come on up to the ballpark. And, you know, when I was 18 years old, I didn't really know a whole lot about it. I mean, I'd gone to a a few different games up there and stuff, but it was just kind of, I don't know. Your mind is probably just elsewhere uh, when you're 18 years old for the most part, or at least it was for us. Uh, So I think uh, maybe there was, I should think of the names, Trace Selly, Brad Mulinar, Jeff Ganson, Terry Kale, myself, at least us five, and I hope I'm not forgetting somebody. Uh, We all just started playing, uh, you know, right away then as rookies. And we didn't start playing, but we joined the team in 91. So basically the manager just went around and asked. So that's how we got started. We just, very fortunately, uh, happened to be walking in right at the 
the cusp of the best five years in the history of Belt Plain Tiger baseball as far as, uh, at least as far as state tournament success, um, including uh, winning it all in 1994. So, um, you know, I, as I, on any team, I would have been along for the ride, but on that one especially, you know, uh, but it was, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was uh, great memories and uh, great guys. And, uh, and uh, we, you know, it's a, a lot more fun uh, too when you're winning. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how it came to be. Sure. Well, so, um, my chatting with you and your social media, uh, presence, you're, you're very self-deprecating. I think that's kind of a Minnesota thing and, and kind of just a good thing in a person, but what position or positions would you say you play if, if you are away from the bench, like you say, you aren't a lot lately, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, when uh when I went into the game it was probably as a as a runner uh in a 10 run game, but otherwise I'd maybe play outfield. Well, I would play outfield somewhere. I'm definitely not an infielder and I I pitched a little bit. Uh I was a pitcher in high school, but uh quickly uh, proved to not be very good. And so, uh pitcher or outfield is really it. And uh I my uh kind of, if I have a uh, claim to fame for my playing career, and it's really a claim to shame, is that out of the 20 years I wore a Tiger uniform, 10 of those years I didn't have one hit. So, okay. very uh, Bob Bob Uecker-esque. <laughs> well, half half the years you did, I guess, if you're if you're going to be <laughs> glass half full, I guess you could say. <laughs> yes, that would be the uh, 10 trophies and 10 without a trophy, I guess. <laughs> well. Uh, is there any part of you that wants to put it on the uniform for just one game to see if you could get a hit to get uh, the number of hits in a year more than 50% of the time or or then figure out if you can't do that, it would be less than 50% of the time and then just know the yeah. answer after that point? Good point. And uh, the <laughs> funny thing that you uh, that with you asking that is that I actually kind of did do that just a few years ago and I – I guess I don't really count, at, you know, when I when I stopped playing at, after the 2011 season, I kind of just considered it all officially done. But then, like, I think two different times maybe I've been in uniform and I actually played just out of uh, necessity where they might have been really short. Uh, and so I went up to Milroy a couple of years ago, the uh, uh, awesome ball field out in the middle of nowhere, uh, the Milroy Irish, and um, – and I actually uh, dropped one on the outfield grass, and I was uh, about as happy as uh, Kirk Gibson in the, in the 1992 World Series, but, or no, 1988 World Series. But uh, sure. um, yeah, so in a sense, I have 11 hits in 21 years, or if you want to count that, or maybe play that other game some other time. So then 22. But you know, officially, baseball reference-wise, that would count as a season. But uh, in my own mind, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not counting those. But uh, so. Sure. Well, so I'm I'm curious, and this is one of the main questions I ask to everyone that I've done the podcast with. Um, why baseball? Like, how did you get started in loving or playing or being a part of the sport as a as a young age? Yeah, you know, I think that that question, in a sense, I almost feel like it's like so many things with uh, human beings is that we're kind of wired for certain things. And, you know, we're just going to be drawn to certain things. Uh, you know, sometimes I know there's the example of, you know, Grandpa took me to, uh, you know, a concert or something, and I said, hey, I'm going to be a musician, and that's what I, you know. So I know there's influences sure. like that. But but I just, I just think, like, what one of my first memories of, you know, I played t-ball and, and uh, then Little League, but, uh, you know, I certainly loved it at Little League already, and I don't know how that stuff all comes together, but, um, sure. you know, I think just, you know, I liked all the sports, like so many kids, you know, you follow all the pro sports at that golden age of about 9 or 10 or 11, and I can remember sure. the, you know, just like list, the year I got into the Twins for the first time was when I was 11 years old, 1984. I, uh, sure. you know, I just remember many a summer nights just kind of, hanging out by the, the radio with a Nerf, Nerf ball, just kind of running around the house and kind of just 
back and forth, tuning into the game. And, and, and you know, in that 1984 season, I don't know if you remember it uh, very well, but the Twins basically, with a pretty ragtag team kind of in a young team, they actually made a late push and they were on the cusp of maybe making the playoffs. And then they blew that terrible 10-0 lead at Cleveland, I think it was, when Jamie Quirk mm-hmm. hit a home run and Viola was pitching that day, I believe. So that was like year one heartbreak, you know, for the Twins. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that's kind of where I started becoming a fan. But, uh, yeah, I, I, but I love baseball, at least since when I was nine years old, we played Little League because I was pitched through Little League and it was just so fun. And, uh, and I looked forward to it just like, I guess, most red-blooded American kids. But, uh so what got me going even before age nine to want to do that, I can't exactly say, but my dad was always very uh, – uh, he he had a catcher's mitt, and uh, he would play catch with me and stuff, and so he basically kind of encouraged and all that stuff. So maybe if he just said, hey, why don't you go break the yard or something, I might have not been a big baseball fan. I don't know, but uh, I hadn't really <laughs> thought about that until saying sure. it right now, but you got my wheels turning. Well, yeah, I'm. I guess age-wise, I'm kind of similar to you in that sense. Where about age ten or eleven is where I really started following the game. I, I wasn't a young fan of of baseball, especially professional baseball. I I played the sport with friends, but it was ten or eleven mm-hmm. when I started. Um, I actually grew a number of inches and started becoming sort of semi-coordinated, so I could run a little uh-huh. bit in a straight line and. And, and throw a ball and catch it without being scared of it at that point. And I think right. that's when I, like, personally could uh, be a part of the sport and be a part of the team, and, and that's what helped me love the sport more than just watching it and looking at baseball cards before that point. I was much mm-hmm. more into Ninja Turtles, I guess, um, before about the age of yeah. 10 or 11, and then I just became more of a baseball fan because I could personally participate with it, I guess, more than anything. Baseball cards is a great mention there because that was a huge thing for my brother and I and and a lot of our friends. I mean, we were really into baseball cards. uh, And, and man, uh, just the time spent with just kind of time on your own in your room. You're just looking at cards and you're reading the back (laughs) of them. And, and, uh, I mean, that's how we knew uh, about the league, you know, because mm-hmm. we didn't get the newspaper every day sitting three miles out in the country. I mean, and if we would have, the box scores wouldn't have, half of them wouldn't have been in the paper anyways back then. And yeah. so, I mean, it was through baseball cards that we knew the game. And, uh, you know, not kids probably take for granted Sports Center and all the highlights being on TV, but as people always like to joke about kind of the Monday Night Football thing, it's like, on Monday Night Football, that was your only football highlights for the week for that couple minutes at halftime. Yeah. You know, exactly. and for, so for us, it was baseball cards. There wasn't Sports Center back then. We only had, you know, the usual five, six channels out in the country. We didn't have cable. So um, it was, you know, your games on here and there. But uh, uh, it was it was the cards is how we uh, learned the game. Well, and I, I even like to think baseball cards in a sense – it brought you closer. It made the players more human in a sense, and that was easier to cheer for, but it also taught me math in many ways and statistics. And that helped me. I, I feel like that helped me learn. This is going to sound nerdy, learn how to learn about math, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that, that grew yeah. my appreciation for the sport as well, just to be able to like say this person got hits, you know, three out of every 10 times, I, I think I understand fractions a little bit more because of because of that baseball card. Yeah, we. I mean, you can be very young and know who's good and who isn't good because you've looked at the cards often enough to say, you know, uh, this stat means something and this stat doesn't, and uh, here's a league leader and that that's good, and and so on and so forth. But um, sure, well, so. Um, bringing you back also to where, um, from when you were younger, um, you, you sent me an article about your love of Kirby Puckett, and I, I wanted to just see, um, I, I'm going with the assumption now that he was your favorite player as a younger child, but 
was it he or other players that you really gravitated towards when you were playing as far as your batting stance that you tried to emulate or your throwing motion or if you were pitching were there were there other pitchers that you tried to throw like yeah that's funny um okay so on Kirby Puckett and I might have to ask you to reintroduce that question after I ramble on here for two minutes but uh, sure I uh, rambled a little so there too so <laughs> that article when I wrote that it was that was about eh, seven years ago or so and after Kirby died and mm-hmm. um for during while Kirby was with the twins um you know I really I liked him right away and and you know I I've mentioned in that article that uh you know I remember listening uh the first night he came up and or at least mm-hmm the anticipation of it, you know, and, and he got four hits in Anaheim and that was very exciting. And uh, so it was like those first couple of years of his playing career was right in my beginning, you know, twins fandom. And so he was my guy, but then I felt like so many people came to love Puckett, you know, like kids will do sometimes. I just thought, well, I don't want him to be my favorite guy anymore because everybody he's everybody's favorite player. And I wanted to have kind of my own identity. So I, you know, I, I, I always kind of struggled to, to pick another guy with after that, you know, and cause I liked Gaetti and I, I liked her back, but a lot of, too many people like him too. So I didn't want to really claim her back. So, um, so I don't know between maybe Gaetti, uh, was my guy and I love Frank Viola. He was probably it too, since I was a, a pitcher too, um, at, you know, at that age. But, uh, sure. oh, man, so Little League, it's it's really funny that you asked that question just because <laughs> maybe more than anybody else I knew when I was in Little League, I would, I would change my pitching motion in Little League, like, game to game, just based on who I <laughs> was kind of infatuated with at the time. So I know I did, like, sure. uh, Brett Saberhagen one sometimes and Roger Clemens and, and you know, <laughs> just, I don't know, I, I would just kind of be uh, – uh, impacted by somebody uh, that was my latest fancy, and that's who I try to pitch like. So I was probably the last thing uh, any coach would recommend is don't be changing your <laughs> your style. <laughs> but I would kind of just mess with it all the time because I would just you wanted to be be like those guys, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I I saw so I'm in a fantasy baseball league, and I'm just going to bring it back a little bit, but I. I am in a fantasy baseball league with a cousin of mine who he's only a couple of years younger than me. So growing up, he and I played, um, we called it tennis ball baseball. Uh, all the oh, time yeah. when we hung out where, where we quote unquote draft players for each position and then draft pitchers. And then we'd have to pitch against each other in the motion of that pitcher and have to swing um, like the batter that we chose in the lineup that we drew up and, and that's how we played when we were 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. And it yeah. was just, a, it was a fun time to try to uh, be like the people that you occasionally saw on TV and, and throw like they did. And I, I just try to think back of the players I tried to uh, swing like or throw like, and I'm sure it was not, it, I'm sure it was much better looking in my head than it actually was, but it was, it was a fun time to be a part of, I guess. Oh yeah, and I gotta mention what now that you brought that up, it triggered something else in my mind. And we played at least in the months where you really couldn't play ball outside. We played my brother and myself, and then uh, sometimes a lot of times it was just us two because that's all we had mm-hmm. uh, living three mm-hmm. miles out in the country. But when we had friends over, our cousins, we would certainly play too. But uh, or otherwise, uh, a couple friends, uh, the Zellman boys. But uh, we would play. With, Nerf ball in the basement, and we had basically sure. we had a whole bunch of those plastic helmets, and uh, you know we had a lot of the major league teams, not all of them, but sure. we would basically uh, you'd pick a different helmet out every time you came up to bat, and then if he hit a home run, we would keep track of the home runs, and we had a bunch of paper taped to the wall, and that was the strike zone. So if it hit it, no matter how bad of a pitch it might have been, it was a strike, and so uh, you know that playing with wiffle ball stuff in the base, it was just the greatest. I mean, I, I, I could still do it right now if uh, people wouldn't think it was too weird. But. <laughs> <laughs> do you, 
No, that sounds amazing. That's exactly type of thing that I was I was all about as a younger person, and I I like to feel like I would be able to do it now too. And I just I hope my shoulder would be able to not hurt like it does <laughs> in real life. I guess yeah, that's yeah, to be able to do something like that for sure, or a tennis ball. Yeah. Yeah, I ca- so I called it tennis ball, baseball because we'd have the garage at um, typically my parents that we'd be using as the backstop to throw against and have like the garage door opener as the middle of the catcher's mitt that the pitcher would be aiming towards between innings. <clears throat> yeah, that's perfect. You yeah. got to improvise when you're a kid. I mean, you got to deal with uh, whatever you know your home estate is. That's the only <laughs> option generally, unless you can bike to somewhere else, but. Uh, especially if you're a country kid, I mean, you're going to have to make do. And uh, so it come up with some pretty crazy uh, setups uh, sometimes with that stuff. Sure. Well, so Belle Plaine is a little bit west of the cities, correct? West and south of yeah. St. Paul, Minneapolis? We are in the southwest metro. We are part of the metro area, even though nobody believes it. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, so... Uh, um, I, I'll bring him back to my cousin a little bit. He lives in a town called Lester Prairie, and that's basically west, straight west, where I, mm-hmm. I grew up in a basically St. Paul suburb. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. So if people are wanting to know where Bell Plain is, because the, the park, the baseball park, the town ball park out there is is beautiful. If they're wanting to know, it's it's roughly, I think you said it, 30, 40, 45 minutes maybe outside of the cities, just it's not that far to travel to. Yeah, it's probably 35 to 45 minutes uh, southwest of Minneapolis, I'd say. But, okay. uh, yeah, t- Tiger Park in Belle Plaine. And uh, uh, we the saying that's been ingrained into our minds uh, by uh, former President Jerry Meyer is baseball in Belle Plaine since 1885, even though there's some uh, conjecture it may be 1884, but how are we going to know? Um <laughs> But anyways, uh, yeah, so uh, um, that is the yard, and uh, we're, like a lot of teams, we're pretty proud of it. Uh, Of course, you always kind of think, well, there's definitely a lot of things we could improve, too, and uh, so you don't, uh, you know, you don't want to get too proud, too, because there's always somebody doing it better than you, and they can, uh, uh, you know, you got to measure yourselves. I mean, for example, you know, I've been involved with Belle Plaine. I'm from Belle Plaine. Uh, Belle Plaine is where my heart is and will always be. But uh, I've lived in Jordan for 14 years, which is kind of, you know, seven miles uh, down, or I should say up Highway 169. And uh, Jordan has, uh, Jordan and Belle Plaine, uh, at least high school-wise, are generally rivals, even though their wrestling (laughs) uh, has shared a team for uh, 30 years, but or probably more than that. But uh, maybe 25. But anyways, uh, Jordan has the mini met, which is very well known, uh, much better known than our sure. park. Um, and so that's uh, and as soon as you want to feel good about your park, uh, you can say, well, <laughs> we don't have to look too far. And uh, there's somebody that really uh, has raised the bar high. So uh, but there's certainly a lot of other uh, great ballparks uh, in this area as well. Sure. Well, I'm I'm going to come back to that. I, I wanted to ask about um, there's there's two specific topics I wanted to ask about before we get back to town ball. But the first one is sure. your um, time with the Sioux Falls Canaries. There was a podcast you sent me that you did um, in the fall talking about the time, the year that you spent with Sioux Falls, and I just wanted to hear what your thoughts were as far as interning with a non-affiliated minor league baseball team? Yeah, so I went to Southwest State in Marshall, and um, I it was brought up to me there by perhaps my advisor or somebody in the advisor's office or whatever that, that uh, you know, hey, the uh, Sioux Falls Canaries are looking for an intern, and I, you know, I was a ba- big baseball fan and uh, decided to do it. And so, you know, I told you that I started playing town team baseball in Belle Plaine in 1991. Well, this was 1996 uh, at the end of my college years. And um, um, so the funny thing is, even though I didn't play, you know, we just had really the five best years of all time. Uh, with the, and, and I did not really want to miss uh, 
miss uh, another summer with the team, but but I ultimately decided to do so, and I'm really glad I did because uh, so the the uh, Sioux Falls Canaries part of the Northern League, and uh, that was yeah. at, especially at the time most known as that's the league that the St. Paul Saints are in, and um, mm-hmm. so you know I basically went out to Sioux Falls from April to the end of their season, and I stayed at some. Uh, I don't know how old, but definitely an older lady's house was renting up, renting out uh, <laughs> like the upstairs, and so that's where I I spent the summer. But um, uh, so I was, you know, I was supposed to be a media relations intern, but they were so kind of well, cheap would be a word, but uh, <laughs> they didn't have a director, so I ended up being the media relations director, right? green green as could be um not that it was you know anything super difficult but uh you know there was a learning curve as well but there was a some experienced people in the office who could uh uh you know show us uh, what what needed to be done and then actually the guy who had previously done my job he had gone out to work for the san jose giants his name was dave mudry and uh and so there was at least several calls where i'd uh, be talking with him uh, just about things that needed to be done and so on and so forth. But uh, the connection there is the owner of the Sioux Falls Canaries, his name was Harry Stavernos, and uh, he also owned the San Jose Giants, uh, I think the Class A team for San Francisco Giants. Okay. And uh, sure. he did. He owned it for a long time, as far as I know. I don't know. I just don't know. Maybe he still owns it, but he probably doesn't. But, uh, but he did own the that for a long time and so um probably i drove this uh truck off the track but uh what and uh what, what else do you want me to answer about the canaries or i can just keep rambling of course but uh Listen, there was one part that you mentioned in the podcast that i thought was great about how you learned about the art of the kangaroo car kangaroo court and i was i was curious about how you learned about that and if you've brought that back to your bell playing team. Yeah. The kangaroo court, uh, quickly became near and dear to my heart, probably too much. So, but, uh, I thought it was pretty much the greatest thing ever. Um, so the way it worked, uh, you know, I, I kind of, I saw the, the Sioux Falls Canaries, uh, having holding court, uh, if you will, you know, in the, in their uh, locker room area one time. And I figured out enough of it to say, we gotta, we gotta take this back and do this in bell playing. This is, this is perfect. You know, because the the way kangaroo court works is, uh, basically you, you know, you're, you're around at the ballpark, especially with baseball, since it's an everyday game, you spend a lot of time with the players on the team, you know, maybe, you know, football is once a week and other sports are, are less frequent. But baseball, especially in the minor leagues, it's an everyday thing. And even on town team, uh, you know, you play 30 or maybe even 40 games in a summer. And so, you know, you're spending a lot of time. And so a great way to kind of entertain yourself with that is when people say something that's uh, kind of stupid or if they do something that's kind of stupid or, you know, you basically uh, – will tell the bookkeeper, I got a fine for you, write this down. And then every, maybe every couple of weeks or however often you, you have court. And that's when you read all the fines that have accumulated. And, uh, you know, it's pretty good laughs. Uh, you know, basically, uh, you'll just read off one and you'll, they'll be fined a certain amount of money and they can plead guilty and pay what they got fined. But it, they can, if they want to plead innocent, pay anything if they're found innocent, but they pay double if they lose. So it sets up some pretty good dramatics as far as people really getting into it. And I would be guilty of a few occasions where I you get pretty worked <laughs> up about it because you get mad at your uh, buddies. But because, uh, as you know, by definition, it's not fair uh, a lot of the time. And rookies especially take a beating. And it's really one of the, the glories of the kangaroo court is to see each new year the rookies not have a clue what it means and finding out the hard way how it works. Uh, so they'll, 
they'll naturally do kind of just some stupid things. But then when they go to court, they always think they're innocent and they end up fighting it and getting fined double. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> no, I love so, the idea of it. And I, just, I, I, yeah, I sorry. Yeah, yeah you, you go. Was, no, you're good. Yeah. I was, I, I, I was go. just going to say, uh, um, the one kind of, we took it a step further basically for, after a few years of doing it, we kind of figured out basically we, you know, I would put together a document uh, of the of the best finds of the year because we'd have a lot of them, and then we would have our we'd have a season-ending party, and we we so I'd have all these finds on a sheet, and people would vote for the ones that they thought was the best, and then we'd reread them, <laughs> the results, and say here's the top five finds of the year and stuff, and it was just you know good for more laughs. You're kind of uh, remembering sure. things that happened over the summer, and so uh, <laughs> you know we've got. The fine of the year was uh, considered some kind of a dubious honor to quote uh, Crash Davis. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Do you have a favorite uh, fine from your years of, of running that? Is there a favorite one that stands out? Man alive, there's so many good ones. And uh, <laughs> it's just, I mean, you know, some of them are not necessarily repeatable. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Let me. I, I really should have been thinking about a good one for you. Well, the first thing that comes to mind, and this is, you know, not necessarily on the on the field in this instance, but okay, one of our players, Zip Bellman, uh, who I referenced earlier because he was a kid I kind of grew up with playing playing ball. Sure. So he was a great pitcher for us and a first baseman. But uh, he, eh, he's. God bless Zip, but he tends to exaggerate a little bit. But anyways, uh, <laughs> one day he said he was on the way to the ballpark and he said he passed like 13 cars at once or something like that. And then he he uh, he actually uh, uh, fought the fine and he won it, which was just the greatest victory for him of all time because it it should have never made sense. I have no idea how he won it. But uh, I mean, other examples, you know, just something that comes to mind, uh, we had uh, – um, one guy, uh, we, we have our uh, annual fundraiser tournament every uh, uh, June, the Tigertown Classic, and uh, one of these guys, Pat Moriarty, he brought, he brought meat to grill from home at our, our basically our <laughs> primary fundraiser. So that was a fine. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it could go on and on. I, and there, there are a lot, of, a lot of good ones, but, uh, uh, it, you know, it, it's a never-ending list. Sure. Well, so um, I, br- I brought up the Canaries also because I, I worked I worked for the Saints for a year and then I worked for another minor league team for a year and I'm I'm always curious to hear people's overall opinion of working in minor league baseball and it sounds like you appreciated it to a certain extent, um, but it's absolutely something that I'm I'm glad that I had the opportunity to be a part of. What what was a regular so if there were, if there were a long homestand where the Canaries played seven to 10 games in a row, seven to 10 days in a row, what Mm -hmm. were your hours uh, very long that week? At least that's what I remember working for the Saints. I guess it it was uh, get to the park at eight, eight 30 in the morning. And then you're there until the game's over and everything's cleaned out basically. That's (laughs) correct. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it was, the same normal hours at the office plus the game, which, sure. you know, so like you said, maybe nine o'clock we are uh, off. We had an office downtown and not at the ballpark. So uh, mm-hmm. we went to the office downtown, but uh, yeah. And then when the game's over, by the time you send out the press release and, and whatever else, I mean, yeah, it's 1130 midnight, whatever. And, and so that's just the way it was. And, uh, you know, you you find worse ways to kill a day. Uh, that's for, yeah. for sure. So, it, but that was part of the deal, absolutely. What year were you uh, yeah, with the Saints? Two thousand five. I was with the Saints. So okay, interesting. I was, and, I was and community I relations say, with them too. So that's awesome. Uh, in the the year I was with the uh, Canaries was perfect. It was maybe the Saints' uh, most kind of. Uh, highest profile year because that was the year they had Jack Morris and Daryl Strawberry. And I remember when, okay. 
you know, out of all the baseball stats I've ever come across, one of the ones that jumps out the most is that however many uh, games and at-bats Daryl Strawberry had with the Saints that year, uh, and I think he was there for a, maybe a couple months before, I believe, he, then he went yeah. to the Yankees or whatever, but uh, he slugged 1,000 yeah, right. for the Saints season. He slugged 1,000 <laughs> right on the nose, and that was just the coolest, roundest stat of all time. I mean, you know, a 500 slugging percentage is considered the benchmark for good. Really good. Baseball, yeah. baseball is good, as you like to say. And uh, yeah. so he was double that. It was just insane. Yeah, he he was, uh, even at his older baseball playing days age, I forget how old he was. He was probably close, pushing 40, which is young in real life, but old for baseball professional age. Um, would, still yeah, just amazing I like at that level. I like 35. I'm not sure, but. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't even, I can't tell you how old he is now. He was amazing in the mid-80s and then had the drug issues and, it was late nineties right. when he was playing for the Saints, so he was thirty five is probably well, that right, was ninety six years. Okay. That was ninety six yeah. when he so maybe he was even like only thirty three or something. Because did drugs drive him out of the game for a while? Is that what it was? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it did. So but he might not have you know, maybe he was only thirty we can look this up I guess after the show but find out <laughs> sure. for sure. Yeah, I'm just curious on that. He's only 56 right now, so 20 years ago, 22 years ago, he would have been 30, 34 or so, which is not old. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's not so bad. Yeah, he played 63 games with the Yankees in 1996, and then after that point, he played parts of three seasons minimally. But, yeah, that's really cool. I mean, that same summer he goes up, plays a couple months in the big leagues. I mean, that's how good he was. He was a major league player playing in the Northern League. I mean, not mm-hmm. that they don't, haven't had guys go to the majors, but just sure. like he was a bona fide. He was probably the maybe the all-time uh, Northern Leaguer in that regard. Yeah, and if, if frankly, he's one of those that if, if drug issues or other issues outside of the ball, ball field, um, ballpark, hadn't gotten his way, he, he was Hall of Fame talent. No doubt, but right. there were other other reasons that he didn't get to that point. I guess you could say. And he was one of the fun guys to imitate too with a batting stance. He had that great, sure, just kind of left-handed kind of cock the bat and just oh man, he was a great power stance. But I couldn't connect that often with it. <laughs> <laughs> fun. To, it was fun to dream and and try to try to be like. I guess you could say. <laughs> you bet. Well, yeah, uh, this hour's gone quickly, and I I, I want to get to your story as much as I can about the suspension that you had from high school sports <laughs> in that you I, – I don't want to cut it off too quickly, but you, nah, were, we get you were kicked off of your high school team for reasons that were not drug-related, not crime-related, not really anything that on the surface looks – like you did anything really wrong, and I, I'm I'm just curious about your your take on that. Why why were yeah, you not so, able to play to finish your senior season of baseball? I better ask first. Uh, so does this end at ten o'clock? <laughs> well, so the the only part that ends at ten o'clock is if people are actually listening live. Live. Um, okay. If people gotcha. are downloading the podcast afterwards, it goes as long as we want to go. Frankly. All right. Sounds good. Just making sure. So here's yeah. here's the deal. Uh, and and you know with these different things, Corey is uh, alluding to is when we were getting ready a few days ago for this. Uh, maybe it was just yesterday, but getting ready for this interview. <laughs> and you know you just want to give him some kind of background thing, so he has something to ask you about other than you know what's your favorite color and who do you like uh, on the Twins. But uh, so I sure. sent him a few links from my uh, long defunct uh, <laughs> blog. Uh, Krischke leaks and uh, just stories that I had written up back then, but uh, maybe the story I poured the most heart and effort into uh, on that uh, blog is it was a I think a 20 year look back at the 1991 sure. uh, scandal 
if you will. So <laughs> yeah, uh, my senior year of high school baseball, and even it was the final month of our uh, high school uh, careers, you know, May of our uh, senior year. And so we had a coach. We, we, we had been playing softball for a couple of years, a bunch of our good friends in that same class. And uh, we just, we had been just playing kind of like tournament softball, you know, get pick up teams and whatever. But then that 1991 year, we decided we wanted to get in the league. And it was, we, our coach basically let us know he didn't want us to play softball. So we knew he didn't want us to play. But, sure. you know, say what you want. We were 18. We decided to do it anyway. So we had a, <laughs> we were in the league. We figured, well, what the heck, you know, we're out of school and, you know, probably, I didn't even know then if we it went into June, it was probably late May, school was out. We wanted to be in the league that summer. And so to do that, you had to be in the league from the beginning. So we had a mm-hmm. game on, like, I don't know exactly when. I'd have to look up the dates, but probably early May. We played our game on, or maybe, you know, I think it was just one game on a, some evening. And the next morning we got to school. <laughs> I think it was a Friday morning. And uh, the uh, athletic director said, uh, you know, I want to speak with you guys. And we were, I remember sitting on the bench kind of waiting to go down to the locker room and talk and, Man, we we were we were just kind of cracking jokes, and we just thought, oh, this this is uh, interesting. But uh, so we got down there, and it was pretty brief, and um, it was basically uh, we the coach found out you guys played softball, and you you're to turn in your uniforms uh, by the end of the day or whatever. And so we couldn't believe it. Uh, you know, we never we knew yeah. we weren't supposed to play, but we figured that. You know, I mean, what's the price for stealing a cookie? You know, you get slapped on the hand generally, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, that's the way we looked yeah. at it. Not that we just we just wanted to play. We want, but you know, should we not have played? We, you know, we should have listened to our coach. We we don't argue that point. Uh, you know, even though we willingly did it, but uh, <laughs> so then it kind of became. You know, our coach wasn't at school that day, so he couldn't tell us. That's why the athletic director told us, because he had he was, had something going on. Uh, so I don't know what. But anyways, and so then we basically appealed to the school board, and this was seven of us, myself and six other guys, all seniors. Sure. Uh, you know, we were on in our high school baseball team. It probably should be told, was not very good. Uh, so I'm sure <laughs> if we were, maybe if we were really good, I'm just guessing that might not have happened, but since we were a lost cause anyways, uh, maybe it was easier to punt us to the curb. But So we appealed to the school board like on a Monday night, I think, and we were put, they reinstated us. And then that's when it got really interesting and ugly uh, because then our coach, Jay Soul, who, you know, I, I get along fine with him and it's all water under the bridge, but, you know, he he kind of uh, put down his foot and basically said, if these guys are on the team, I'm quitting. And uh, so, and then the teachers, you wouldn't believe how many, like the whole school got into it and it seemed like most of them, it seemed like a lot of them were against us. I, I wouldn't say necessarily all of them, but other than our parents and a few friends, I mean, we were kind of considered the villains. Uh, so it was really, a, it was probably the best education I got out of all my years of schooling to just see how something like that can turn so political. But uh, so I, I can remember my mom was a teacher and I had her uh, in maybe like third hour for type typewriting or something like that. Um, <laughs> and I can remember a, a heated argument from across the hall was going and it was about the softball issue because one of our other guys who got kicked off was in that class. And I kind of wandered over there very foolishly and kind of joined the conversation. And boy, things got uh, things got more heated than uh, we both probably would have liked. But uh, it was just that was just kind of the the tenor of the whole thing. And and so so then we were kind of uh, the school board flip flopped again, and then they decided, all right, we're going to have one final. Uh, meeting about this, and and I did mention to you too, and I mentioned in the uh, in the post that uh, 
um, the Star Tribune even uh, contacted several of our guys, and they they called me, and I wasn't home to get it, which I wish I probably didn't get a few quotes in the paper, but uh, a couple, <laughs> you know, they did an article on it. It was that big a deal that, you know, local guys suspended for playing softball or something like that and how it got the sure. whole town into a tizzy. But so there was kind of like one for all school board meeting. And, and there was also a bunch of teachers said they were going to, they were with Seoul. So if he was, wasn't supported that they were going to quit too. And it was just a big, the, the word I remember one of the parents saying, it's a big power play. <laughs> so yeah. we had that meeting. There was like over a hundred people uh, at the elementary school where this meet, the school board meeting was moved to the elementary school gym so that, uh, <laughs> Um, everybody uh, who wanted to attend could attend, which is pretty weird, really, but that's the way it was. And Mm -hmm. so we both had turns to speak and stuff like that, and I know I got up there and spoke, and it was probably just a dumpster fire nightmare. Uh, You know, I was too (laughs) nervous and probably didn't say anything that helped, and just kind of crazy. It was like a a courtroom scene, really, which... uh, and in the end, they uh, decided to kick us off to keep up, stand with the coach, and we were kicked off the team. So we did have some support even among the school board. I think two of them voted for us, and I don't know, maybe it was three against or I don't know what, four four against or something like that. But but uh, our whole point in this uh, story was that we agreed we did something wrong and we agreed that we should be punished, but we didn't think that the rest of our – high school careers and playoffs was a fair penalty for playing a softball game because our sure. our big comeback was the suspension through the Minnesota State High School League because if we'd have got caught drinking, it, it was a two-game suspension. Played softball, sure. and it was like a three weeks in the playoffs. So it was just, mm-hmm. a, you know, it was a – that was our point. It was not a fair punishment, and that's what we were appealing. But they caved like a, a – card table. Yeah, I was going to bring it back to the uh, comparison to other punishments on how if you were under 21 and drinking, the punishment was, frankly, you should have just had a raging kegger and just gotten completely drunk and you would have only missed a couple games. Not that that was good, but it's just crazy to me too that like playing a softball game could do that to your high school career. That story is just insane to me uh, we, well in our in my case at least it would probably have been a very very wine cooler but uh, nonetheless yeah we, <laughs> if we'd have done that uh, we would have been in a lot less trouble so that that is the point but yeah maybe uh, what you know whenever you uh, tweet out the link for this I'll I'll maybe uh, post the link to that uh, story for whoever is still listening and sure. might care to read it but uh, actually I uh, caught I think Patrick Royce ended up reading it and uh, and uh, commenting on it too because I pushed the story pretty good on Twitter uh, back then even and uh, so anyways it was quite the deal but you know in the end it makes for better stories than if we'd have just finished out a mediocre senior year and probably got beat in the playoffs so so uh, all in all it's probably good but it, I'll I'll take that one to my grave just uh, not being a, a fair shake but again that was a good life lesson that. That can go that way. <laughs> sure. Well, I guess one quick follow-up I had from that is, if, have you spoken with your uh, former high school baseball coach since that point or other players, like 5, 10, 20 years after the point? Have you, have you had a follow-up? Like, is this the right thing that happened? Are are people still, your your former teammates still on the the mindset that that was the right decision or the wrong decision like you you've written a follow-up article have have other former players of the coach commented since that point i mean yeah we've all crossed paths since then and i think you know in one sense just as i've stated we don't feel any differently about it now as we did then as far as just the way we we saw it but uh you know i Mm -hmm. think uh and I think it's a sour taste in, in some guys' uh, mouths more than others. Uh, but, you know, I think everybody's certainly generally over it. I mean, and, and you know, <laughs> not like anybody's going to – any of these guys are mentioned probably going to 
come across this stuff. But, uh, you know, the, the coach basically yeah. said at some point he, he, he was in the wrong to do that. So that was good enough for us, I think. And, and, you know, I've seen him here and there at different high school events and we're, you know, as friendly as can be. And I, that's sincere. Uh, he's a good guy. Sure. Uh, so it was just, it was just kind of a thing that got blown out of control and, uh, you know, sometimes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> things can happen like that. So, uh, but yeah, so I'd say everything's fine with, uh, relationships, uh, in that regard. Good. I, I suppose that's good to hear because, because things like that <laughs> can be blown out of proportion, like you said. So it's, it's good to hear that, um, maybe, uh, scars have been mended, I guess you could say. Yeah. Good enough. Time heals all wounds, right? Yep. Basically. So <laughs> that works. <laughs> or at least most of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so uh, I've taken uh, more than an hour of your time, and I appreciate it. And I actually had a few other questions that I'd like to get to maybe at another podcast at some point, if that works for you. But um, before we end tonight, uh, if you could give out your name and any, once again, any other social media contacts you would like to share so people could contact you if they have other questions. You bet, uh, Brett Krischke. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter and see how long it takes till you unfollow me, it's uh, B K R U. <laughs> and then uh, through the, uh, I wouldn't list uh, the other the other nine, but uh, B P Tiger Town is the uh, Bell Plain Tigers Town team, and you can pretty much figure out the rest from there if you can find that one. <laughs> well, sounds good. Uh, thank you, Brett, for tonight. This has been fun. Uh, talking baseball and talking about your uh, connection with baseball. I've, I've had fun with this podcast, so I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks a lot, Corey. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, congratulations on your uh, your flourishing podcast, and I hope it keeps going well for you. You have a lot of great uh, guests on there that are – it's amazing the uh, the spread of ball fans across the uh, the state and the Twin Cities area that you've been talking to. Yeah, it's been fun. I, I initially started this podcast just as an excuse to get away from reality for an hour a week, and it's been fun chatting with people and, and hearing about it. I, 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 I have loved the time of doing this and just uh, talking with people, and, and it's a lot easier than writing it all down for me in a lot of ways just for the time, but I appreciate meeting you and, and other people that appreciate baseball in a sense, in a sense. and it's just it's nice to have this time to talk about a sport that's really fun and dear to my heart so um yeah, yeah. thank you thank you for your time and your and yeah your thank hours you tonight and so for all of this you're sure but, welcome yeah well yeah have a good night and uh this is baseball is good if if anyone is listening so uh, i will i will talk to you later <laughs> sounds good thanks a lot I'll, I'll chat with you soon okay Corey. bye